0: Physician assistants are moving out of primary care medicine and into the O.R., the best instrument a surgeon has, the surgical physician assistant. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Bob Blum. Bob has been a practicing surgical physician assistant for 38 years and is the current president of the Association of Plastic Surgery Physician Assistants. Bob received the first AAPA Paragon Award for the Physician PA Team, and he is a recipient of the John W. Kirkland Award for Excellence in Surgery. Bob serves as an administrator, clinician, and a role model for the entire PA profession. Today we are discussing the Surgical Physician Assistant, employed by a private practice. Hi Bob, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thank you very much, pleasure to be with you.
0: Bob, what is the difference between a PA and a surgical PA?
1: Approximately a year and a half when Greg Bennett was the president of the AAPA, he made a point of saying to us that regardless of our specialty areas, the one thing that we have in common is the fact that we're all physician assistants. And so rather be known by our specialty label, we're still physician assistants. We still come under the same banner. And there is still a body of knowledge that is necessary for all PAs to have In order to function in any specialty area. So I think the nomenclature of physician assistant is more appropriate. I'm a physician assistant who happens to practice in a surgical specialty.
0: And what are the responsibilities of a surgical PA employed in an office-based surgical group performing outpatient procedures?
1: Well, when a surgical PA is in an office-based group, there is a total different focus on what a physician or a physician specialty group is looking for. They're looking for an individual who's going to be around a number of years. I've been with my physician for 36 years. You want someone, therefore, who is going to feel like they're part of the practice, they're a member of the team, they're not just an employee, and they're going to focus on numerous roles simultaneously. So when you think of a person who is in a specialty or office based surgical group, you're Talking about someone who's involved with inpatient care, inpatient meaning in your office as well as in many cases the same specialty person in an office-based practice will be in a hospital, will have hospital privileges, and these things will overlap then. But one of the things that the individual will be doing is that they have to have a knowledge in that office of reimbursement issues, they have a knowledge of patient insurance plans, and the ability to communicate with insurance companies in writing, because many times you'll do this instead of the physician himself. In a specialty area in an office, one needs to have all of the education that the physician himself will be getting in terms of every aspect of the care, and in order to get that information, it's imperative that this individual attend not just their physician-assisted meetings, but that they go to specialty meetings, and they go to certain subgroups that may speak of how to run an office based practice, what patient expectations are all about, quality control, things like this, which is a little bit different than you'd find in your normal AAPA or your state conference. We're also focusing not only on dialoguing with a patient or communicating with a patient and making things clear before surgery, but we have to learn those techniques that the surgeons are utilizing so that we know it almost as well as they do. We know all the complications. We know what to look for, and we know what problems to look for postoperatively because in most cases, we'll be doing that, and so in general... I would say they have to attend CME offered by that specialty group, but they need to maintain the skills of the primary care PA. One of the reasons why an orthopedist will hire a surgical PA in that practice is because the orthopedic knows everything he has to know about knee surgery and shoulder surgery but doesn't know how to deal with asthma or diabetes or one of those comorbidities, and he depends or she depends on the physician assistant to be able to bridge the gap and to deal with the medical problems and to know when, in fact, to refer that to a primary care physician. In the office, there's also the fact that the practice needs to be made aware of pharmaceutical products and different medical devices that are coming out. And rather than take up a surgeon's time, a well-rounded physician assistant in an office-based practice will meet with all the pharmaceutical reps and all of the medical device people to see whether or not there's something new out there that may improve the practice, may improve the speed, may make an operation safer, or will help a patient to heal faster. So we become the core person that will do that will be able to sit down with the patient beforehand and explain their procedures in a manner that they will be able to understand. And I think that's one of the very important parts of a physician assistant, the, be able to communicate or dialogue with the patient in their own language.
0: What was the typical education for a surgical PA and residency programs? Are they available?
1: They are available, and they are available in general, in that there are now approximately 10 residency programs in the United States in surgery itself. But there have been some programs that have been in existence for 35 years, such as the first program, which was at Montefiore Medical Center and Newark uh, Hospital Yale University School of Medicine. They have had them for the longest period of time. Very few areas outside of the specific surgical areas have a residency program, and in particular, they're in trauma, they're in critical care, orthopedics, OBGYN, and neurosurgery at the present moment.
0: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and I'm speaking with Bob Blum, President of the Association of Plastic Surgery Physician Assistants. We are discussing surgical physician assistants employed by a private practice. Bob, when hiring a new PA graduate, what should the expectations of a surgeon consist of?
1: The expectation of the surgeon should be that this individual has basic medical knowledge and it needs to be augmented to relate to his specialty group. So it becomes the responsibility of the surgeon to create a mini residency program of his own so that the PA will be in a constant learning situation over a period of the next two years.
0: And are the medical services provided by a surgical PA reimbursable at the supervising physician's rate?
1: The medical services for a surgical PA, in the Medicare world, it's 85% of the physician's fee. And in most insurance companies, the PA reimbursement is 13.5% of the surgeon's fee. The only place that this really differs is if a PA is an out-of-network provider, and there are organizations now who have started up who hire PAs, and they exist only to first assist, and they are not in-network, and sometimes, and it's probably unfair, the PA reimbursement is actually higher than the surgeons. So it all depends on whether or not you're part of an in-network or an out-network program.
0: Let's talk about professional liability. Does a surgical PA in a private practice setting need professional liability insurance?
1: Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, every PA in every kind of situation needs their own professional liability insurance policy. PAs are judged in a court of law by the same standard as a physician. And because of that, we don't have to become paranoid in the expectation of a litigation But we do have to feel comfortable that we can get a good night's sleep because we don't have to worry about losing our homes or our insurance plans or whatever if a malpractice suit happens to come our way. So I think it's imperative that PAs ask the question as to whether or not their physician who hires them in an office-based practice is going to provide them with a professional liability insurance and also to ask whether or not they can have their own name on that, a personal, professional liability insurance. And even if the PA has to pay half of that, it is well worth them to do so for their own security and the security of their family.
0: So when a PA is considering a job in an office-based surgical practice, in addition to asking about the liability insurance, what other questions should they be asking?
1: They should be asking questions to whether or not they're going to be on call And in many specialty situations, you may be on call one or two weekends per month. They need to see how many days during the week they may be on call. What additional responsibilities they may have, as in my own practice, if there are any questions from a patient postoperatively, I carry a beeper that will send those messages to me, and it becomes my responsibility to speak on behalf of the practice. So you need to find out what additional duties other than your 40- or 50-hour work week are going to be required to you, how much vacation you're going to have, and set in stone what your basic introductory salary is going to be and what it's going to be after one year and then what it's going to be after three years. We can't be bashful about things because we're professionals and workmen is worthy of their labor.
0: Bob, how does a private practice surgical group benefit by hiring a surgical PA?
1: They benefit because they have someone who now becomes part of the team. When my doctor hired me, I wasn't introduced as Bob Blum, the PA. I was introduced as, I'd like to introduce you to our associate, Bob Blum, who happens to be a physician assistant. I was considered as a member of the team, and the patient saw me as on a peer that... I had responsibilities and I had the confidence of the group. When a specialty group hires a PA, they have someone that's involved preoperatively, intraoperatively, postoperatively. They have someone who can answer questions constantly. They have someone who is aware of every aspect of the practice. And if, in fact, there are problems relating to patients, the person who is seeing the patient will be able to transmit that information to the physician prior to the physician seeing the patient. This allows doctors to see the most important patients first not neglecting others by not seeing them at all, but the PA then becomes the general receptacle of all of the knowledge concerning all of the patients. And it's also someone who will follow up on those important things that make surgical cases cancel, such as, did this person get a CAT scan? Did this person have cardiac clearance? And so on. It becomes our responsibility and we need to be diligent in making sure that those things are done, which enhances the income of the practice, and the smooth flowing of an operation.
0: And where can we get more information about surgical PAs?
1: The first list is the American Academy of Physician Assistants by going to their website and looking under specialty groups. I'm a past president of the American Association of Surgical PAs, and if you went to our website, you would be able to find all the information you need about surgical PAs in general. Those are the two main areas, or the three main areas, the specialty group, the general American Association of Surgical PAs, and the AAPA.
0: Thank you, Bob, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM 157. And thanks for listening. This is Dr. Leon loman with the university of toronto in toronto canada and you are listening to reach md xm 157 the channel for medical professionals